Michael. Hi, Allison. And welcome to Dean's Discuss COVID-19, a weekly podcast where we dive into the research that's being done at UC Davis, College of Medicine, and the College of Veterinary Medicine. And today we're going to be talking about the surge, a disturbing surge in uh, COVID-19 cases that is happening across the country right now as we're recording this, and what this means for states that have opened up again. Yes, and we're going to talk about all the stress this is causing for our patients, for our healthcare professionals, and all that we're doing at UC Davis to relieve this. And, you know, it's been three months and we're still in this wave. Um, I know that for me, my pets are really a big stress reliever. Uh, yes, for sure. And we'll be talking about that. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that was we sometimes underestimate is what effect a pandemic would have on all of us. And until it really happened, uh, I don't think we really realized um, the depth of, of what it's meant to our society. And I think uh, as we look into that, I think there's some uh, tips and hints and things that I know that you're doing, Allison, at the School of Medicine. I know that we're doing here to support our faculty. And uh, one of the groups that I worry about the most are frontline healthcare workers. Um, and I know that those are right now undergoing severe stress and, and thinking about the, the, the problems that may occur if we have a second surge. Well, one of the things we did is we developed a hardship fund, um, which we had really robust response in the community. Uh, and then we also developed a research fund. Our chair of psychiatry, Dr. Helen Kales, has developed a um, stress management and anxiety uh, program that she's taken around to many of the departments, and that's been in very well received. Um, but you're absolutely right. You know, as a frontline worker, whether you're a nurse in the emergency room, a lab tech, or you're involved in making sure the hospital is just the cleanest and safest place to be, or a researcher, um, the, the daily barrage of information coming in and then trying to do your job. And then, you know, of course, people with little children have children at home because there's no mm -hmm. school. It's, yeah. um, it's coming at them from everywhere. Yeah, I think that the, the fact that they do have multiple stressors um, all at once, um, we, we're seeing things like um, problems with sleep patterns, um, you know, where um, people are not getting proper sleep. Um, it comes out in social interactions. Uh, you may notice it as depression uh, in people or withdrawal. Um, and, and, you know, during these times, I think we see it uh, in our school as well as, you know, we maintain our hospital and we continue to have patients in, but yet, um, you know, we, we have to function. And uh, like frontline healthcare workers, uh, when they go home at night, uh, it doesn't leave them. They have, may have a family to take care of. Uh, they turn on the news and all we get is information. Like this week, we're getting increased cases from probably um, a lot of social interaction that occurred when we did start to open up uh, and relax some of the, the restrictions. And unfortunately, uh, there probably was a lot of gathering of people uh, we saw the uh, videotapes from around the world and people were very, they were pent up. Uh, they, they needed to have an outlet. And when that happened, you know, uh, they didn't follow social distancing. They didn't follow the personal protective um, things that were required. And we're starting to see that now. And so that's, again, you know, we've stressed that multiple times 
on this podcast of, of the importance of that. I know you think a lot about that. And, and when you see those, those groups out there, I'm sure you're worried uh, about those patients uh, or those people ending up in your ICU or in your hospital. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things I think that um, you mentioned is the idea of spreading amongst groups. Uh, and I think, you know, there's a, a concept of the super spreader. Um, and so, you know, people are getting COVID from friends and family. And, uh, and so that's one of the issues. And then they go to another place. And so um, it's really concerning to see the uptick in cases. Uh, I think that uh, one thing I feel better about is while there's an uptick in cases, I think we all have a handle on uh, one, the transmission, uh, two, that we are um, confident about the type of PPE. We know that we have trials out there when um, you know remdesivir is now available through um, venues, it's been approved. Uh, that's a good thing, and there's more information out there about trials. But it comes back to common sense, and that's really social distancing, hand washing, um, and you know wearing a mask. And um, I can't say that enough because we don't think that we're going to have a vaccine anytime soon. Uh, but wearing a mask is incredibly important, and we're really stressing that. Um, it is required to wear a mask in our hospital, and you are given one in the hospital as well as in the other buildings. And, of course, Governor Newsom says that that's really what everybody needs to do is be wearing a mask. Yeah. You know, you mentioned families, and uh, families especially with uh, children at home, uh, that has to be particularly stressful. And you know, uh, from homeschooling to, to not having uh, daycares may be available. And uh, this is particularly relevant for people that aren't of a circumstance. They may have, they may be having to work themselves on the front line. One of the things I was really impressed with is the resources that you've developed. Uh, you have a, a, a kids considered, considered podcast and they devoted a podcast recently uh, to the effect of COVID on uh, children and the resources available for that. So, you know, your pediatricians, I know, are thinking about this and providing resources for people with, with families at home. And that was wonderful to, to listen to and hear that. You know, I have, a, 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 have grandkids and I, I think about my children and, and their grandkids at home. And so those kind of uh, resources are particularly helpful for the stress of having that family at home and then also discussing, um, you know, why am I at home? Why are you at home? Why are we wearing masks? Um, you know, uh, tools available for that. Well, I think one thing I really want to applaud the pediatricians for and uh, the rest of the health system is really flipping towards telemedicine. So mm -hmm. um, we flip from 10 telemed telemedicine visits a day to um, at the high of about 1,500. Now we're hovering around six or 700. And so we have the ability to do that relatively quickly. I personally think that that um, helps decrease stress because then people don't have to get in their cars and wear their mask and check in and all those things. Uh, they can just uh, do that on their phone or their computer. And, and um, I hope that that is really helping relieve people's stress. But you know, the other thing is the, the whole issue of healthcare and the economy. So, um, you know, I really worry 
that there are people postponing getting treatment because they're worried about mm -hmm. their own job or their economy. Um, and we're here to help with that. And we've actually put a lot of thought into that and have uh, resources available for patients. So, you know, we want to make sure that people go to the doctor. Um, I'm a neurologist. I worry that people aren't taking their blood pressure medicine or aren't following their diabetes treatments and stuff. And we don't want anybody um, to have worse disease, cancer. We, we want to make sure people are going to the doctor and not uh, worrying about um, we, we've made the hospital very, very safe. Um, we've made the clinic safe. And then we've also made sure that people get all the resources they need uh, about health insurance, even if their own circumstances have changed. Yeah, one of the ways that you know, our schools work together is thinking about that, that environment at home. And part of that environment is often with a pet. And one of the, the things that we've learned over the, the years for the value of having pets, both uh, let's say dogs and cats primarily, because they make up the majority of pets in the, in the nation, is that they actually do help us with our stress. And so the, the positive benefits of having a pet at home when you are isolated or socially isolated, and this has been shown to be particularly relevant for elderly people that are isolated, that sometimes that pet is their only friend. Um, we even have outreach programs for uh, called the Mercer Clinic with Loaves and Fishes in Sacramento to provide uh, health care uh, for the pets of the homeless. And um, in, in socially isolated situations, again, especially for the elderly, pets can be very much a relief. In fact, we have studies uh, that show that if you have a pet in your home and uh, you're around it, blood pressure can be positively affected, meaning it lowers blood pressure or it lowers stress levels. And you know that unconditional love that a dog can provide can, can be um, uh, an uplifting mental health experience for people. And the other positive thing about pets is that we also want to have a stress relief. Um, and one way is to do this through exercise. And I know that your school emphasizes that a lot. And so part of that is the daily walking, for example, of a dog can be a form of stress relief, but also help the patient or the, the person that's isolated exercise and get out in, in, um, in nature, for example, which is another stress relief. So we're finding a very uh, positive, we're hearing stories about positive interactions and the, the value of pets in our home. We knew that, but this pandemic has really shown that. So you're absolutely right, because uh, Patches is one of my rescue border colleagues. And uh, she has, we've taken to exercising in the morning mm. because, um, you know, exercise is one thing about self-care and uh, getting your dog out to walk or in my case, run with the mm. border collie, um, you know, is, is really, I think, very important about self-care, making sure that you get enough sleep, uh, making sure you limit um, other things like, you know, too much alcohol or too much staying up late or too much mm -hmm. gaming. Um, you know, there's yeah. a lot of social isolation. And then, you know, I, um, I get concerned about people in Zoom. You know, um, I know that if I'm on the computer up late uh, working or have lots of Zoom meetings, it takes a little time for your brain to, un to turn off. Um, and there's something else about the interaction of Zoom. I've, uh, you know, I love Zoom and I love WebEx and they're great. And, you know, I probably shouldn't be using a brand name, but, but that 
you know, being on the computer all the time, I think is, is um, changes your wiring a little bit. And I think people need to be mindful that they need to decompress more when they go home and not just be on electronics. You know, we tell kids to live in limit screen time, right? There's, you know, that's what you tell little kids and you don't want them on the screen all day long. And here we are um, all trying to do our jobs on screen. And then you take the stress of going home and having to, um, you know, do homeschooling and manage everything in a new and different way. It's, it, it's. I think it's very stressful. I think it's something that we're we're not appreciating as much. But I give you kudos about you know getting your animals out and about. Uh, that's a really important. Getting a little bit of vitamin D, some sunshine too, and uh, making sure that you're. Um, getting, you know, in touch with friends and family, even though you may not be physically with them. Um, I've taken to making sure that I call friends on the weekends and talk mm -hmm. with them. And, uh, but, you know, boy, it's so important. And w this is going to be a, a marathon. It's not going to be a sprint. That's a, that's a really good analogy, actually, because we know that, you know, as the surges have come out on this you know, so, so-called second wave, or, or, you know, we may have others as well, or they may be associated with uh, events um, in which people uh, don't, uh, you know, uh, physically distance. And so that stress is going to be a longer term thing. We're going to have to live with this virus for a while, and it's not going to go away until we have a vaccine, which could be, you know, uh, still a ways off. And so because of that, you know, we need to look for other ways to um, interact. And, and, you know, we're a social species, just like animals. And, you know, we are, we are an animal. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I imagine patches also may react to your stress. In other words, we know that dogs can uh, sense uh, emotions in people. And uh, they have been used as therapy animals because of that. And in some ways, uh, they know us better than we know ourselves, and uh, they can sense that. The other side of that coin is uh, we have veterinary behaviorists here, and our veterinary behaviorists are getting calls also for the opposite issues, which is anxiety in pets. Um, oh. And uh, when they are um, in a situation where they don't have um, the same things, they don't have social interactions, or they're cooped up, they can also have um, behavioral issues. And so our behaviorist, one of the most common things that veterinarians ask about, aside from skin problems sometimes, are uh, behavioral issues in animals. And so there's a lot of treatments for that. There's a lot of ways that uh, people can, can interact with their pets to, to decrease that. But during this pandemic, uh, a lot of the dog trainers uh, have done the same thing we've done. They've had to go to Zoom. Uh, they've had to go online. And that's not quite the same for an animal to be, uh, it's, it, it's harder to get patches probably to, to listen long enough on Zoom to be able to be trained and talk about <laughs> his anxiety. But, you know, I, it, it's interesting that it goes both ways. Um, but, you know, the other thing you mentioned is um, the adoption of a pet. Mm -hmm. One of the positive things we saw is the shelters early on in the pandemic actually cleared out a bit. We had shelters that didn't have any animals uh, because people did go and adopt or fostered out those animals in shelters. Now, um, you know, that, that may not be the case uh, long-term. They may fill back up again, but that was an interesting social experiment uh, early on in the pandemic.
I talked to a faculty member recently and um, her son had wanted a dog and I met him six months ago and he was telling me he wanted a dog. And then uh, recently she said they did get a dog and they got a rescue dog and, and it was during the pandemic. So you're absolutely right. You know, one thing I also will say um, for the older population, um, when you take older individuals um, who may be functioning very well, but you change their pattern, such mm -hmm. as suddenly they have to live in a different environment or they have more people in their house or um, they have to leave their house, that's also something that causes a great deal of stress uh, for the older individual. And that can unmask um, some mild, what we call mild cognitive impairment, just some mild things that you know really wouldn't be seen if they were always in their house and in their usual pattern. So I think that's another thing that the pandemic can bring out is um, suddenly you have more people in your house or your, or your patterns changed. I think that's another thing for people to be aware of. You know, um, it's just incredible the impact that COVID has had on us. Then you layer on the economy. Um, there are so many things going on. Um, and of course, the, the issues about um, systemic racism on top. Um, there, I can't think of any other time where there's been so many stressors and, and the news daily about um, people dying from this disease and other people not taking it seriously. So as a physician and, and you as a veterinarian, I mean, there is a lot going on in our worlds uh, and a lot going on in our patients' worlds, our students' worlds, faculty. Um, it's, a, it's really a, a, a tumultuous time. Yeah, I think one of the things as colleagues that we look for is, uh, you know, and, and I know you do this with the medical students, is we try to, to uh, essentially train them to look for uh, signs of depression, signs of that somebody may be in trouble and to help and ways to that they can report that. And I think it's important for people to, to look for that. If they see an individual that is starting to show signs, whether they're depressed or whether they're isolated. And you mentioned, you know, it, it's really important for our social interactions. Uh, and Zoom is not going to do that. Uh, you know, you're not going to be able to get that interaction the same way. Um, and if uh, we have resources, I know both at the medical school as well as at the veterinary school for our students. We also find that our staff and our faculty uh, are needing that as well. And in particular, when they have uh, additional stressors um, like having a family to take care of or financial pressures. So I think all of us need to, to have self-care in mind uh, and then care for us as a community. One of the things I think that the positive side of a pandemic also is we've seen a very um, loving community reach out to people and to offer assistance or, as you mentioned, um, help when uh, somebody is in a situation where they are isolated and trapped. And so I think that we're a natural caring profession, both veterinarians and, and medical doctors. So we are looking for those ways to be compassionate and, and reach out. And certainly there's a huge need right now. Yes, I agree. And, you know, um, one thing that we might think about is um, some resilience and trying to figure out what makes people, some folks more resilient or others. We've, we've really done, began to think about that in medical students and in physicians. Um, I have a theory that it's just what you said, being engaged in, um, in, with colleagues um, and, and, and that is a really good thing for people to feel connected. I think when people are by themselves and don't have colleagues, don't interact, mm -hmm. or don't have social things. 
uh, don't get exercise or sleep or um, those are the things that kind of begin to chip away at your resilience. And so as you mentioned self-care, uh, I think people should think about what, what is gonna make them resilient in this tumultuous environment. So um, this has just been a really interesting conversation, Michael. Um, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Our nation has challenges with food insecurities before this pandemic. How uh, do you think this has affected how people get food? You know, that's a great question. One of the things that was um, an unexpected uh, negative thing that happened during the pandemic is disruptions of our food supply. And in particular, you know, we, we worry about that for folks that uh, need that food. So, for example, during the school lunch programs that were disrupted. So that's gonna be a very interesting topic and in how UC Davis is involved in finding solutions uh, to some of these problems that we've had in our food supply. So I'm looking forward to, to talking with you about that perhaps in a future episode. That sounds great. It sounds like a great topic. I'm Allison Brashear, the Dean of the School of Medicine at UC Davis. And I'm Michael Larimore, Dean of the School of Veterinary Medicine at UC Davis. And you've been listening to Deans Discuss COVID-19, which is our uh, podcast that we'd like you to subscribe to. And please don't miss another episode. So we welcome your questions and ideas on future episodes. You can email us at deansdiscuss at ucdavis.edu. And in the meantime, you can visit ucdavis.edu backslash COVID slash 19 for the latest coronavirus research from UC Davis. We'll see you next week. <laughs>